What a joy it is to come before the presence of the Lord and to present his mind as we share in the message today. A message I have entitled, Strength for Your Inner Being. Strength for Your Inner Being. Most of life is lived for the external. And that, that's where we find ourselves as human beings. We're motivated, very, very motivated by what we see and what we can touch and handle, the things that appear tangible to us. Yet in reality, more often than not, what we see on the outside is really a manifestation, only a manifestation of what lies deep inside. Because deep inside is the reality. Deep inside, the real you subsists. The real me subsists. And by the time that that manifests, what people see is really just a tiny bit of what's inside. The challenge we face as humanity is that people generally are consumed with a very compelling desire, which I may even want to describe as pressure, to conform and to perform so that those around us can affirm. So they can say, you're looking good, like I am. And sometimes you will feel like people didn't notice you, whether it's at church or at work. Because that day, you picked up what you thought was you reserve for special occasions. You thought, ah, let me just wear it to work today. So you're expecting that as you walk through the door, somebody will say, wow, how stunning. But you walk past them and they say nothing. And the affirmation you are looking out for doesn't come. So you begin to wonder, okay, is everything okay here? Are these people normal? Can't they see that I am wearing something really special? Now, I can't blame you, and I can't blame us, because as is true, when we look at uh, what's been known as the theory of Maslow's hierarchy of, of the needs that we have as hum human beings, we know that at some point we're looking for that level of affirmation from someone, and it has a place. But what I see, and what I've seen in life, is that generally, that is what drives us, what people say, what we hear, and when we know what they think about us, that sort of positions how we're, what we're going to do next. Because now we know what people are thinking. So the question I ask is, is that really how we ought to live? No, but that's how we live. And that is why sometimes we have time 
tons and tons of broken hearts, disappointments, unfulfilled desires, unfulfilled um, expectations. But working for the external is really unsustainable. Completely unsustainable. So what Paul is calling our attention to today is something we need to work at. And this is what I want to draw our attention towards. When discouragement hits, it is felt deep inside. And today you may be sitting in church, nobody knows where you've been. Nobody knows what's happening inside. But because we want to look normal, we'll put up a smile. Now, let me invite you. Remember, even the health people say every 10 minutes or so, just pull the mask a little bit so you can breathe. Uh, but pull it low enough so we can see your smile. <laughs> and put it back on. That's, that's normal. It's within the health regulations. You can't keep it there all the time because you know very well you're breathing in carbon dioxide and that's the side they don't want us to keep emphasizing. And that's not okay. Because it lowers your immunity. This is the dark side of this exercise. Not the best of things. So we need to deal with that. So, but it's good to see your smile. So sometimes we'll put up a smile when deep inside we're really frowning, when it's hurting, it's difficult. And that is why the psalmist says in Psalm 42, why are you cast down all my soul? Hope thou in God. Because it's deep inside where that happens before people can ever notice. And this is the reason why, by the time we're hearing that somebody gave up on life or they committed suicide and so on, things have been festering deep, 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 deep inside. And somehow they felt, ah, nobody will ever understand. Let me just take my life. And then they leave a note. Then we begin to see what was happening. But it's a little too late at that point. Little too late. I want to say to somebody here today if that's what's happening inside you, you have come to church and we may not know, your neighbor may not know, and with this physical distancing, you really feel distanced from everybody. I want to remind you you are not alone, God is with you. Hallelujah. Don't ever give up on yourself, don't ever give up on your, on, on, on your life. And you can't just live for affirmations from people. And those things, like I said, have their place. And sometimes, you know, those of you in these little romantic relationships, boyfriend and, and girlfriend, and you cheat yourself and say, you know, no one, no one ever touches me so deep. Are you serious? I know you probably are, but I want to remind you, if you think that person touches you so deeply, I must let you know that it can only go so far. Only God can go deeper. Hello? There is a place where your boyfriend or girlfriend cannot get to. Even for those of us who are married, a married relationship is something very special. But there is a place where my sweetheart here 
can only go so far. But God goes further. And when I have my place with God, then I know I can also do what I need to do in life. So don't, don't, don't live this life throwing everything into. There's some, there's some ladies, you, you watch them and you wonder. And you're trying to instruct her. You're letting her know look, there is danger there. But it's like she, this man, this man who picks her up in the Rolls Royce, it's like the whole world is there. It's like, leave me alone. You don't know what I know. Come on, wake up. That Rolls Royce will go off someday. And that man will also disappear. He can only go so far. Don't get cheated and say, hey, you know, you're diving so deeply. I can't do without you. You can. You can do without him. Did you hear me? You can. You can. That is why for some people, when such a relationship breaks, it's like their whole world has crushed. And that's why they go for extreme measures. But I'm saying to you, that's only a relationship in life. Deep inside. Yes, you may be looking for that and there's a place. But I want to point you to someone who can touch you deeper. Somebody shout hallelujah. So in Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle focuses his prayer in that delicate arena of life where we can be able to allow for the growing of that internal capacity to cope. And he outlines three things which I'd like to share with you. Or at least I, I see three things there. There are more, but I see three things that are outlined in this passage, which we can consider as truths that can help us grow our internal capacity to cope. Number one, from verses 14 to 16, the Apostle Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. What Paul is showing there is that Number one, you and I must seek to draw on God's strength. I remember in the opening remarks here, I talked about how we draw, how we want to live on those compliments and those affirmations. People affirm you and you say, ah, okay, now life is really working. They have seen, they have, they have said how good I am. No, 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 no. Sometimes those things will not be there. So we can't just live on affirmations and compliments. I am suggesting, based on Paul's advice here, that you learn, number one, to draw on God's power. And the way he presents this clearly shows that this power can only be drawn primarily through prayer. Now, I was saying in the earlier service that we have taught much about prayer in the past eight weeks, a lot. I did a seven-week series on the power of prayer. And we could go on and on. But here's how Paul presents it. He says, for this reason, I kneel. So clearly, he's saying that to draw on this power, we have to pray. And I want you to see the contrast here in the kneeling posture that Paul presents. In case you didn't know, 
the norm in terms of posture for standing before the presence of God in the Old Testament and in the Bible generally was a posture of standing. That's the norm. There's always a posture of standing before the presence of God. Now, once kneeling was employed, once kneeling was employed, it meant that something had gone to an extreme circumstance. And um, Dr. Walton and Kinner said, and I quote, kneeling or prostration were considered appropriate, especially in extreme circumstances. And if we go to 1 Kings chapter 8, we will see that. Let's go there together. In 1 Kings chapter 8, the Bible says, While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them. This was the usual posture in God's presence. Verse 22 of 1 Kings 8. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Oh Lord, God of Israel. We'll come back to this prayer later. But you see Solomon in a standing uh, posture before the Lord. But if you go to verse 54, somewhere in between, the intensity of what's happening grows. So Solomon at some point then turns to a place of kneeling. So verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. He stood, taking up that standing position again, and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, showing that he was loud, showing he was Pentecostal. So here's the point. The normal posture is standing. So when Paul talks about kneeling, in Ephesians, he has this realization that there are moments of life in God's children where the circumstance is extreme and a kneeling position is what is taken. That's understood in his culture. That was understood. If they say, if they hate him, explaining that he was kneeling, they understood how serious this act was. It meant deep inside Paul, there was a prostration. Somehow he was literally uh, lying down. And in these times, people knelt and stretched their hands. In the extremity of circumstances. Beyond that, many of them would even just fall prostrate in the presence of the Lord. That prostration indicating the matter was serious. 
And people like Daniel lay before the presence of God in that fashion as he was receiving revelation from the Lord. But you see, by the time it is showing forth by kneeling or prostration on the ground, something has happened inside. It is the posture of the heart. When the Bible talks about David as having been a person whose, who was, uh, whose, whose heart was after the Lord, a man after God's heart, it had to do with the posture inside. There are times that David failed on the external. But when he retreated deep inside, that's where things happen. And today, beloved, I want to call you to that. I know that sometimes we have the pressure to know what people think about us, what people are saying about you. You should not be living in that arena, beloved. I'm wanting you to learn to draw on the power of God. In fact, one young man after the last service was talking to me outside and saying, Bishop, I remember one verse from what you were preaching. I remember the verse... And he talked about uh, the case of Daniel, uh, sorry, the case of David in the Old Testament when uh, the Arameans had attacked and so on and they had captured and taken so much from the people and either the children and the women had been taken. And later on, he says, this young man was telling me and I loved it, just, just after the, first, the last service. He says then, uh, he says, Bishop, when you were preaching, I remembered that verse where the Bible says, and David uh, secluded himself and encouraged himself in the Lord. I said, ah, that's powerful. And I said, I'm going to include that in the message. Very, very powerful. There are those moments, beloved, when you must understand that the, the thing that gives you energy must not come from outside only. You cannot just depend on compliments. You cannot just depend on what people think about you. There must be that place where you're kneeling, your heart is contrite, your heart is, is prostrate before the Lord. The posture is such that you're saying, Lord, there is nowhere else from, which, from where I can get strength except you. And you draw strength from the Lord. And this is what Paul was calling the Ephesians to do. Now, if you know anything about the letter to the Ephesians, unlike the other letters that Paul wrote, the Corinthian letter, where there were problems in the church, he was addressing the problems. The Galatians had issues with heresy. He was addressing that. The letter to the Ephesians is written with no specific problem that was going on at the church, but written with such depth to just help the believer to see the resource they had. And clearly, as this is being projected in chapter three, it also has to do with coming, keeping in mind that there are those circumstances when believers need to draw from the Lord. Dr. Walton and Kina say, and I quote, those who knelt in prayer usually stretch their hands or their arms with hands to deities being invoked, meaning whatever, in, in general, even for those who didn't necessarily worship our, our God in the way we know him, it was in the culture where they would prostrate before a deity. Some bowed before um, statues and so on. But in our case, we fall below before the King of God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why I love the worship. A tune that we had earlier, consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And when we seek 
that he should fill our lives or fill this house. It's his presence that makes a difference. And we say, this is holy ground. And so I know, beloved, that uh, during these times that, that, that um, uh, because of COVID restrictions, we were not able to meet together. We still, I know, we still were connected as a church. But you can't take away the place of gathering like we're gathering today. Because when God's people gather, it is holy ground. God comes and he comes as a consuming fire to lift up his people. To burn the sacrifice that we bring before him. There is a place for that. And there's strength gained from just coming together. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Second thing that Paul draws our attention towards. So you find this in between verses 14 and 16. And I want you to see in verse 16 particularly that he says there. So verse 16 he says, I pray. Again to show you that this strength is only gained through prayer primarily. He says, I pray in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Showing that this strengthening that we're talking about in our inner being is coming through the agency of the Holy Spirit inside. So the external may have its place, but inside is where life is happening. May that be your portion today. I said, may that be your portion today in Jesus' holy name. Let's move on to verse 17 and 18. Picking up the second truth. And it is the fact that you and I must seek to be rooted and established in God's love. We've mentioned God's power and that power comes through the Holy Spirit. We now seek to be rooted and established in God's love. Now God's love, that word is so easy. In fact, power and love in the, in the, in, in the church are so abused. When people talk about God's power and you, you've seen how it's, it's, it's become an issue of, you know, when they talk about demonstrations, they're talking about things are happening at the altar, people are taking off jackets, some are being pushed, some are being breathed on, and all kinds of things are happening, and it becomes like a show. God's power is not stuff that, something that we just throw around. And His love is also something that we don't just talk about. This love is really our security. In the earlier service, I was giving an example. Talking about being rooted and established. Yesterday, we were taking some time going around um, the, the, our yards. And there's been some ongoing um, landscaping. Uh, and it keeps going, thanks to the creativity of my beach here. And I try to tag along. Um, so there's ongoing uh, landscaping and it's, it's nice to see. So we're going around and at one place there are these two banana suckers that were a special donation to us from, from somebody very special. And she said, you know, these, these two have to be moved. I said, oh, why? <laughs> I said, Why? <laughs> She says, look, they're not growing. There must, be, there must be rocks under there. And I said, oh, yeah, I think you're right. And she said, do you see that, that, that uh, orange tree there? I said, yes. She said, that one also 
is not growing properly. And of course, after she said that, I said, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, it's very clear that when a plant is sitting at a place where its roots can't go as deep as they ought to, and they hit, say, a rock, so it can't draw nutrients from the ground, that root, you know, begins to wander until it can find a place where it can go a little further down. But generally, its growth gets affected, gets stunted. And so I agreed with that proposal there yeah, that, that those must move. In our lives, there are moments when our roots don't go deep enough. And, and, and when we are turning to the wrong things in life, those are the rocks that hinder our growth. And in order for us to see the inner man growing and being rooted and established, we've got to make sure that our roots are getting deeper into the love of God. Now, what is the love of God? This is the all enveloping aspect of who God is. His love keeps us. It is uh, so high, so deep. And I like the fact that we can sing it in Sunday school song, love of Jesus, very wonderful, love of Jesus, very wonderful. So high, you can't get over it, so low. You can't get under it, so you can't get around it. Oh, wonderful love. Now that's real about the love of God. Listen to the expression here in verse number 17. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he, said, he says again, and I pray that you, who? You, who? You. Not anybody else. I know you'll be sitting here and saying, I wish so-and-so was here. Forget that. You are here. And God is concerned about you. So that you, you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. So, you know, we, we were separated during these COVID times. There is that place where you draw strength by just being with others. And pray for those for whom who this time maybe it becomes hard to return because they got used to sleeping in, and they got used to, listen. And that is why we want you to know that while we are happy with online services and we'll continue at a different time, but we want, for now we won't do them at the same time as when the service is, we want you here. Ah, no. Here, where when we are together, God does something because somehow his power works together with the saints. Somebody shout hallelujah. Together with the saints. I pray you being rooted and established and that you may in love, that you may have power with all the saints to grasp. I love the next, the next line. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep. This is the love of God. Immeasurable, inexhaustible. Those uh, compliments, those affirmations, they come in one day, they disappear. Three days later, you forget somebody even affirmed you. That's life. They are not sustainable. We can't live on those. People's thinking, people's uh, uh, opinions. And that is why you must also understand, even if people have an opinion about you today, they may even write about you, don't even worry. 
Those things may stay in their minds, but you must move on and understand God has good thoughts about you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because the love of God is inexhaustible. And you and I can only be sustained in there. So, root yourself in the love of God. That becomes sustainable. Somebody shout hallelujah. God's love is immense and immeasurable. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Now that's not all. I want to move on to the third thing today. And then I'll make some more applications. Paul doesn't end there. In verses 20 to 22. Notice in verse 19 he says, And to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now when he says that surpasses knowledge, he's not saying that this, no, this love is unknowable, but rather that our minds and our hearts are too small to comprehend everything that there is to be comprehended about God. He's knowable, but we can't contain him. But think of what we do sometimes. We put God in a box and in a compartment. And sometimes we have this temptation because of what we know, what we have, and what we own. We want to keep God there. I want you to know, during these times especially, as we have challenges with COVID-19, challenges with our, our livelihoods, challenges with many other aspects, it is time to know that there is an end to education. There is a limitation. Let me use the word limitation. There is a limitation to education. There is a limitation to your investment. There is a limitation to your smartness and your intelligence. There is a limitation to even the best cautions that you could apply in this life. There is a limitation to everything. But when you and I understand who God is, you will be able to know that when we are rooted in him, his love is immeasurable. And it is the power of his spirit. If you look at verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, you observe this, that um, the being rooted comes by the power of the spirit. And often when I've taught on the power of the spirit, I've referred to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Where the Bible says that when we do not know how to pray, God, the Holy Spirit, prays through us. You must remember this, that when all the compliments, the external things, have failed, when everything I've mentioned here, your education, your money, your investment, your job, everything around you seems to fail, I want you to remember that the Bible says, because we're getting this through prayer, that even the moments when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God prays through us. That is why you can remain rooted in the love of God. Because the operation of the power of the Spirit is to root you and to allow you, even where the ground becomes a bit impenetrable, once you are given to Christ, He will break the fallow ground. He will work through you and your roots can go down. Because the Bible says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in that he prays through us when we are not able to pray. He, that is the spirit, who understands the mind of God, prays through us, through groanings that cannot be uttered. So we have a language that has limitations, but the spirit comes and takes over and prays through inalterable things that he 
utters, inutterable things that he utters. We can't utter. We are mouthless, as they say. You are without words. You don't know what to say. Sometimes you don't even know how to feel. What to feel or not to feel. I want you to give in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in those moments, he takes over. And he intercedes for you through groanings which cannot be uttered. Then your roots begin to go down. Your roots begin to go down. You begin to draw from the deepest of nutrients that God has prepared for his children. So from inside, you are strengthened. The inside out becomes a reality of a life you are living. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And God is preparing you for that. The world will have hope because there are people like you. So the third thing then that you and I must do, based on Paul's instructions here, is in that kind of arrangement where you've reached all your limitations, you need to expect the unexpected. Miraculous intervention of God. You need to expect the unexpected. Miraculous interventions of God. Now, I've said already, our education, our jobs, our minds will have limitations. But the exciting thing about the Christian life is this. That is why the inner being is so powerful. In another portion of Paul's letters, he talks about even though the outward man is wearing out, he says, yet the inner man is being renewed. Chapter 3. Being renewed daily. But before we even talk about the outward man, uh, you know, wearing out and the inner man being renewed, I must take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Because there, the apostle Paul addresses Something very, very important. Takes us into the world of the unseen. He says, however, it is written, I has, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those whom he loves. But God has revealed it to us by, once again, his spirit. It's the operation of the spirit. This is a spiritual thing, beloved. The operation of the spirit is a, a deep issue. God is at work deep inside you. He will do for you what no one can do. He will do for you what your company can never do. He will do for you, sorry, what your husband cannot do. <laughs> he will do for you what your wife cannot do. There are limitations to everything we have. The spirit, he says in verse number 10, searches all things. Even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit, of, uh, the spirit who is from God. 
and that so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Oh, beloved, this is a resource that God has exposed us to. Further, verse 13, this is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. May that be your portion today in Jesus' name. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. This goes beyond some opinion one may have about you there. This is how you subsist. This is how we transform societies. Because where people are failing, the child of God becomes resilient because there is inner man is being renewed and we become a hope and a, and a transformation uh, agent for people around us. This is what we talk about. This is why we believe there's destiny for the church of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because where everything else is failing, you and I are being renewed so we can engage and help people have some perspective. The right perspective on life. Verse 14, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. And if you're here, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you can have this life I'm talking about right here. You can open your heart to Him. He says, these things are foolishness to such a person and you cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I want you to watch the last part. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. This is to tell you once again, that don't live for an image. You know that the, the show, the, the TV show that used to be there, Keeping Up Appearances? Some of you may not know because you're too new in this life. <laughs> don't just keep up appearances. There's something deeper to live for. Hallelujah. Oh, there's going to come a time when we'll be asking you to talk to your neighbor just now, no, because of uh, these restrictions. So I won't let you talk to your neighbor just yet. <laughs> But listen, there's something higher, something bigger. And so don't, don't operate in people's estimations of you. You are meant for something bigger than that. Uh, somebody shout hallelujah. You're meant for something bigger than that. The last part there. For he has known, the, he was known the mind of the Lord that he rather, excuse me, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So let's come back to our point. I'm suggesting expect the unexpected miraculous interventions of God. Meaning, in the words of Paul the apostle here, he says to the Ephesians, so to him... <laughs> Who is able to do more, far, exceeding, abundantly, avail, above that which you can think or imagine? This is, the, this is the exciting part of faith. The work of faith for the child of God is this. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Beloved, I have been there, we have been there in those moments when you didn't know where the answer was going to come from, when you didn't know what was going to happen next and God brings you a sense of assurance and this must be the work of faith. I encourage you as you've come to church today, I don't know what's been happening in the past week, I don't know what's been happening in the past month, I don't know what's been happening to your life in the past four months or whatever, 
But I'm here to say to you, this day, this moment, I want to encourage you to expect the unexpected. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And Paul the Apostle is not short of words here. He goes for the superlative and he says, Now to him who is able to do far more, exceeding, abundant, above, to, it's all above. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than what you can think or imagine. Our minds are too small to contain what God is intending to do. Our education is too little to contain what God intends to do. Our money and resources, our influences, our connections are too little to contain what God wants to do. I'm here today to call you beyond your money, beyond your contributions, beyond your connections, beyond your limitations, beyond everything you could ever be. I'm calling you to a place of seeing God. Expect the unexpected. God is a God of miracles. He's able to provide for you where you think that there is no way of provision at all. He's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. He opened the Red Sea for the children of Israel. He's the same God. He will make a way for you. Yeah, yes, the landlord is there waving a letter of eviction and you may even have been evicted. That's okay. It has happened, but I want you to know if God has allowed you to a point where, allowed circumstances to a point where you are actually evicted, then I must let you know, he still has a plan for you. Accept the situation that is happening and begin to pray, begin to consult, begin to see what God is able to do. I'm here to simply speak a prophetic word for you. I'm here to say to you, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. There have been moments when we didn't have what we needed, but God opened the door and he will open the door for you today to him who is able to do far more than you can think immeasurably more than you can think all imagine to him alone be glory honor power and authority and I commend you to his hands before we close this we must go back to what I promised you in first Kings chapter 8 let's see Solomon walking exactly what we have preached about here. And with that, we wrap up. First Kings chapter eight. First Kings eight, verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly. of Israel, spread his hands. It's an act of humility, an act of faith, an act of prostration before the Lord. And you know, it is in this process, it's in the process of this prayer that after standing, Solomon knows this thing is getting deeper and bigger. At some point, Solomon kneels, he kneels, and he continues to pray. Kneels. He says, oh Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. That's faith. You who keep your covenant of love 
with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. And that's you, beloved. God is working with you. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, with your mouth. You have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it. God doesn't leave things halfway. What he has begun in your life, he will accomplish. I said what he has begun in your life, he will accomplish. I have been sent to just remind you, expect the unexpected, miraculous interventions of God. He says now, verse 25, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him. When you said you shall never fail to have a man sit on the throne. Fast forward, verse 27. But will God really dwell on the earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Oh Lord my God, hear the cry and prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes open toward this temple night and day. This place of which you said, my name shall be there. Remember when Paul was speaking about the Ephesians praying and understanding that they would be strengthened from the inner being. He talked about all this being done through the Lord whose name the church takes. I've paraphrased, but he refers to the name of the Lord. Similarly, my name shall be there. So that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and your people, Israel, when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven and your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Ah, may that be your portion today in Jesus' name. Solomon, we don't have time, but Solomon goes on. If you read that prayer, if you are standing at some point, you will kneel, you will lie down, you will fall prostrate before the face of God because there's so much power in those words. But in the interest of time, let me draw your attention to verse number uh, 56. Praise be to the Lord. Now he is uh, getting up uh, from the kneeling position. So he says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed. And God will never fail you, beloved. He'll never fail you. Of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses, may the Lord God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. That's your portion. That's your portion today. May he turn our hearts to him. That's the inner man turning in the right direction to him to walk in all his ways and keep commands, decrees, and regulations that, that were given, uh, that he gave to our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel. Let me say his people, not mid-assembly. His people, and you can put your name there. There is a cause that God has placed in your life and he will always come. He will always come to support it and to sustain it so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God 
and that there is no other, but your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord your God to live by his decrees and obey his commands at this time. And I want you to observe what is in verse 59. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near the Lord, near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servants and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need. 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 And he taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this day, our daily bread. Today, beloved, on this day, expect the unexpected. Your needs today are being met. And may the Lord be your portion. He who has begun the good work in you will accomplish it. And today, I call you to that place. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. And let him begin to strengthen you. I'll ask the musicians to come. Let him begin to strengthen you in the inner man.